Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at note to scene at gmail.com. For this episode, we will be reminiscing and taking a look back at the 2008 Vans Warp Tour. Stage by stage, band by band. We're going to break down what Warp Tour looked and sounded like 10 years ago. All right, let's go. Johnny Craig arrested again? I guess so, man. When I saw the headline on Lambgoat this week, I was having major, like, 2010 flashbacks. What year are we in? I mean, you're reading Lambgoat, so apparently it is 2010. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't who the fuck were slaves even touring with Dude, on that? It's like... Dayshell, some band, uh, that, that band called uh, Ghost Town. They they were trying oh, to have a minute in like twenty fourteen or something. Yeah, tried like five years ago. It's like the graveyard shift tour. You know what I mean? Like these poor yeah. bands. Once you're over, you're just like stick together and tour together. It's kind of a shame because like that Slaves record isn't bad, and it, the first week it sold better than like any Amorosa record did. You know, it's like they could have had a shot with that whole major label deal with Warner Brothers. Yeah. After they uh, bought out Arbery, but you know, Johnny gonna Johnny, I guess. Johnny being Johnny for sure. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, but uh, God, dude, that's like the fall from grace to her. Shaylee, are you kidding me? Like the like the heights right? that that bro <laughs> fell from. <laughs> I remember when people thought Dayshell were gonna be a thing. Dude, I knew better. I, I thought Dayshell was gonna be a thing, man. That first record bangs. It's good. Uh, I it's knew good. better. Second knew album's better. got some good songs on it too. All right, well, t- Warp Tour. With the announcement of the lineup, and I don't know if it's a 10-year thing or not, but the the Warped Tour 2008 nostalgia is real right now. Everyone is just looking back to that year specifically and that tour, you know, kind of the real crystallization of Neon and just sort of that new era of Warped, uh, you know, 2008, just sort of encapsulated. And it's like everyone's just thrown back. The colors are back, man. The Neon... You know, everyone's posting all their old pictures of what they used to dress like. It's just like, it's crazy. Yeah, the throwback, man. you know? Totally. We didn't realize how good we had it in 2008. That's probably the moral of the story here, is that we didn't realize yeah. what we had at the end of the 2000s. Because it was, like, we had options, man. Things were still good. Like, we could we could feel that something, we didn't necessarily know what direction the scene was going to go in as a whole, but we knew something was building off of what this thing was that was replacing uh, the first golden wave of emo. But, uh, yeah, like, we've seen it on our Facebook page from the viral posts that we've had. It's just so many kids are like, why isn't Warp Tour just bringing back the exact same 2008 lineup for the final one? <laughs> because that would make so many because people happy. <laughs> coming coming into this Warp Tour in 2008, you know, I was pissed because coming off like 04 to 06, like, mm-hmm. you know, the golden emo years, you got MCR, the Use, Silverstein, Census Fail, like Thursday, onto Under Oath. You just like, the real mainstays of the golden age of mainstream emo, like, 
this felt like what the fuck is going on to me at the time, you know, because I wasn't all about Neon and All Time Low and all these bands coming in. But that giant commercial push we had with bands like the used MCR after it kind of imploded, you know, and the scene went through this recession. But Warp Tour 2008 being as big as it was and as much of a success as it was, it, you know, it, it's 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 surprising in a way. It's almost like this tour is such a success to me because of the fact that it wasn't a failure. You know, the scene kind of <laughs> came out of a dark age in a way on this tour. You know, things were looking rough in 2007, man. You totally. know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, no, this was the beginning I of mean, the I new mean, era. I mean, Sonny Moore leaving Sonny Moore leaving from first to last, Craig leaving Bless to follow. Like it was it was looking bad. I mean, it was there were dark times back then, man, but like I said, I think the biggest thing we can look back on and say why that era was so great is that we had options. It wasn't just neon even though that was the big overlaying theme of that time period we had hot topic deathcore we had a post-hardcore movement with emerosa and dgd and all the johnny craig bands and even rise band like kiss for jersey and burden of a day but we also had you know still big names on warp tour like chiotos played a date in 2008 we had fucking gym gym class heroes we we still had from first to last we didn't know what from first to last was going to look like without sunny but you know now we do but still back then it was still something you know we there were just so many options back then true true if you didn't listen to our last episode we broke down the new warp tour lineup for 2018 we went stage by stage so Looking back, we're going to kind of do the same thing for 2008. We're just going to revisit each stage and all the bands playing and uh, sort of reminisce and just like see where these bands were at the point in their career and just like how the tour went, you know, because, you know, I was there and, uh, you know, I, I went mainly four from first to last, but like I ended up just seeing so many bands and having such a good time, you know, despite my piss poor, oh, it's not 2006 anymore <laughs> attitude. I ended up having a great time. And, and now looking back at 2008, you know, you think of last year's tour where 5,000 kids showed up to each date and it was just a fucking dumpster fire. It's like, man, and it's crazy that this is 10 years ago. Like this, this was young. This was new. You know, this was the new shit. And uh, it, it just doesn't quite feel like a decade old to me. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. I was in eighth grade this this around this time. And I just remember, I didn't go, uh, but I remember living this tour vicariously through the pages of Alternative Press and Warped Wednesdays mm-hmm. on Fuse. Every Wednesday over oh, that yeah. summer, man, I watched Shout, it. Shouts to Fuse. Dude, Shouts to Warped Wednesday. Always, man. There's a bit on Warped Wednesdays, no joke, where it had the under oath no FX beef. But they showed some of it, and I was like, you know, I saw it at the time, and looking back, I'm like, Dang, that was such a pivotal moment that they caught on TV. <laughs> oh, if he's had great shows like that. The behind the scenes. Sorry. Right. We had two main stages in 2008, I believe. I think I think I want to say this is the first year we started having two main stages. Okay. Because for a while, I might not have just been paying attention, but I think like 06 and stuff like that, it was just one main stage. But Warped got so big, there were so many bands, they just expanded it. Um, so we had the Route 66 stage and the highway one stage i think those were the two main stages and i think the route 66 stage might have been like the main main stage um so we'll start there the route 66 stage we got the academy is amberlin as dying 
The Bombing Souls, The Bronx, Chiodos, Dillinger Escape Plan, From First to Last, Jim Claros, Modest Yahoo, Motion City Soundtrack, Norma Jean, Paramore, Pennywise, Real Big Fish, of course, Rise Against, and The Vandals. That, remember when stage lineups were fucking huge and long like that? Like, it's been a while since we've seen that. Yeah, where it literally took them all day front to back to get through every single band. Yeah, man. Just what a, what a, what a melting pot of bands, man. Let's just start off at the top, right? The Academy is, where the hell were the Academy is in 2008? They were coming off Santee, I believe, right? Which, yep. That was an album people fucking hated you know it's coming inside off that, right that classic what what was the classic that they released in like oh five or oh six almost here that, and you know right. that had the hit um slow down on yep. it i think it was called yep. all right all right slow down and you know they were huge they were one of the biggest people forget this but they were one of the biggest fuel by ramen bands yep. you know they were they were up there in the early days with paramore and and fallout boy and panic of the disco like they had a real shot you know i saw the academy as headline with panic of the disco opening for them at one point like that's how big <sighs> the academy is were but you know here i think at this point like we're just about to get that uh, about a girl scene oh the about and, a girl um, push that's what i was gonna bring up times man. at barrington high like they're just getting ready for that that sort of Return to form for the band, kind of. A little bit. And they actually had some some pop radio success with uh, About a Girl. And I think, like, they played it on uh, Dick Clark's New Year's Eve and stuff. And um, uh, it just never kind of, like, went anywhere. The band just kind of faded away after that. I know. And, uh, so it, know. That band's so interesting to me. I don't know enough of their backstory to, yeah. to really comment too much on it. But I just remember turning on Fuse every day for a summer. Mm-hmm. And, like, on the hour the about a girl video would play <laughs> it was just like oh. they were getting the full push and then like that they were gone and even before that i mean like almost here i mean slowdown was one of the biggest like scene emo songs of of that year like it was That's it so was crazy. everywhere i mean it was it was on the radio it was you could hear it in any kind of clothing store you went in it was just i'm pretty sure it was on like the oc or one of those shows you know that everybody heard or laguna beach or something and it was just everywhere. The band were fucking huge. And uh, it just came to an end. And uh, William Beckett did some solo stuff that no one cared about. <laughs> right. I think that was on Equal Vision. <laughs> so Amber Lynn, is this peak Amber Lynn commercially? Like, so... I think at this point we have Feel Good Drag as like a number one radio single, right? It's it like was... a number one rock radio single or alt radio. It was right about this time. I almost wonder if this Warp Tour was kind of before that or it almost kind of spearheaded their major label push. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when they re-released Feel Good Drag on New Surrender, I think it was the album, Man, mm-hmm. that just blew the And that was fuck on uh, up, Universal, man. right? Yes. Like they were signed to Universal for the full might have been Universal Republic at that time. The label was Right. God, that record label has restructured so many times. There's Universal Motown, <laughs> yeah. Universal Republic, then just Republic. Yeah. Um it might have just been Universal at the time. But yeah, they got the major little push and uh that single was a number one rock radio single. It was fine. It was all over the radio, and um, Amberlynn were fucking huge. You know, they were they so were gods crazy. at that point. Yeah, and it was uh, Stephen Christian, their vocalist, was on the Warp Tour cover for AP this summer. Oh yeah, with a bunch totally. of yeah. with a bunch of different artists. I remember but that. 
Yeah, I mean, they were getting the full... I remember the first time I heard Amberlin, because I grew up, you know, I was a tooth and nail youth group kid, and I grew up listening to, you know, Never Take Friendship Personal, and I remember the first time I heard Paper Thin Hymn, like, that was my band back in the day, and then I heard them on the radio, and I was like, oh my god, like, they're massive now, how did this happen? <laughs> wait, wait, how long, what's the, what's the, uh... What's the time? What's the clock time on that reunion? Because you know it's going to oh, happen. Oh, dude. There's no way they stay broken up. I felt like that reunion, that breakup was like an on-purpose breakup. Like, yeah, we kinda, have plans to reunite. It you know, it just, came kinda, out it just doesn't feel like it's over. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, don't even get me started on that breakout camp or that breakup campaign, man. It was like Amberlin were breaking up for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> right, Lowborn, yeah. <laughs> my, my man did a, did a little stint on the prices, right? <laughs> Dude, they were, they were, oh my god, the most dragged out fucking thing. But uh, always yeah. ride for Amberlin, always ride for him. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, Asley Dying um, did play Warp Tour, I can confirm it, I saw it. And, um, <laughs> you know, the night I saw them... Um, main stage they headlined the, i don't know that they headlined they, they weren't headlining every night but they did headline the night that i was at warp tour they were the closing band you know it was starting okay. to get dark right they the last band and they had a huge fucking crowd like i don't know how into as dying the general warp tour fan base were or if it was just the fact that like this is the last band here and everyone at warp tour kind of just came to the stage because they were the only one playing but they mm-hmm. had a big crowd. I mean, and if you forget at this point, Asley Dying are pretty fucking huge. I think An Ocean Between Us has came out. You know, Shadows or Security was massive. Mm-hmm. And um, what they were was... one of the, easily like the, the biggest metalcore band at this point. They had one song off of, I think it was the 2007 album. It was called like I've Never Wanted or I've Always Wanted or... Which one am I thinking yeah, of? Yeah, I, I can't I remember I what it's called, to... but there was an ad, it was that As They Lay Dying song on the 2008 Warp Tour compilation, and it was the radio edit in parentheses afterwards. And I remember seeing yeah. that when I bought that compilation. I was like, oh my yeah. God, here we go. As They Lay Dying are selling yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, no, and I didn't like that album because I, you know, I love Shadows of Security. Right. It's like, I mean, I now I have to question it because of Tim's actions, but that mm-hmm. at the time was one of my favorite albums of all time, and I, I love songs like you know, confined and uh, through struggle and uh, all that stuff. But um, when an ocean between us came out, it was like uh, I think it was nothing left was like the lead single, and that that, that mm-hmm. video actually got nominated for a Grammy. Really? And, uh, the band, wow, the I band, didn't know yeah, that. the band. But uh, the band protested and didn't go to the Grammys for, for some righteous Tim reason, you know? Right, yeah. right, so. of course. Chiodos played one day. <laughs> just gonna, we're just Guess gonna which... skip over those bouncing souls in Bronx. <laughs> I mean, you got something to say? No. I'll let you finish. Just the bouncing souls have been on every warp tour ever. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah truth chiodos played one date um and guess which homie was at that date you were there son you were there i was i there. need all the details what was craig like you were a barricade warrior so you got to been front row right uh, yeah i know you actually you found me recently in a 
showed us music video on the barricade I on that did. specific day. Isn't that fucking Pretty crazy? crazy. <laughs> but um, so uh, yeah, you know, it, this was Michigan, so it's a hometown show for Chiodos. This is 2008, you know, Bone Palace. Um, Chiodos are massive. They are probably maybe by 09 they were the biggest band on Warp Tour, but around 08 they were getting there becoming mm. like the biggest scene band and you know they got bumped up from equal vision to warner brothers the major label and lexington the single was getting like major like, rock radio rotation they were just fucking gods at this point and um at, like they played right before as i die and closed out the night and it was to this day it was the craziest tightest most violent intense crowd i've probably ever been a part of just like the chiodas hype was so real when craig walked out onto the stage like the screaming girls it was actually a problem like for your ears like you had to cover your ears because it was just such violent vile screaming of just craig craig like it was it was insane when he walked out on stage the dude just looked like the dude looked like he was going sky high, you know, like the sky, you, the, his career, he could have did anything at that point. And, uh, you know, we know what happened with Chodos. Not that long after this, unfortunately. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, they had a tumultuous few years following this. But, man, watching those videos, seeing that set that day, I could only, like, it's hard to comprehend what the hype was like behind this band at this point. And I, like... I never thought Lexington was a good song, but it, it, it worked well at radio, though. It you know? burned, I mean, it was, dude. it was catchy. It burned. So, yes, there was one point where... It was kind of Chiodos, you know, synthesized in a very safe way, you know, that, that like, kind of it worked on radio. Yeah, I almost felt like they were trying to recapitalize on the Baroque emo of Panic at the Disco mm-hmm. in, in, yeah. in a weird kind of rocky way. But uh, yes, it, it was around this time where Chiodos were the were just absolute monsters, and uh, they were arguably at one point a little after this the biggest band in the scene. Totally. So I mean, AP cover, you know, they were everywhere. They were huge. But okay, so also from first to last, I mean, this was probably the biggest reason I went because this was would be my first time seeing the band without Sonny. Mm. So from first to last at this point, man, I want to say the record came out in May. Okay. So that so so they good. Sonny Moore left the band in like 07. The band through some fucking crazy thing they get dropped from the major label Capitol Records and they get picked up by Interscope Records and signed to the imprint Shirtone. And they put out a major label record without Sonny Moore and Matt Good singing. And, um, you know, I like that record. You like that record at Jams. But let, oh, it was a huge fucking commercial flop. <laughs> and they kind of just, they toured Warped Tour on it. And they had a medium response, you know? Like, people were there for them. I remember Intensity, like, when I saw it. But they, they definitely didn't have the kind of crowd they had during Warped Tour 6, you know, when Sonny was just a fucking megastar. Yeah, it was just missing the spark at that point, even though, like you said, uh, we both think that that album is absolutely passable and it has its bangers in its own light, but it, from first to last, without Sonny, just can't touch what they were doing with that guy. And uh, yeah, But still, still billed as a headliner at this point, like very high up on the flyer, well, you know, like they were still, I they mean, were still... There was when, still faith. When the they band. were booked as a headliner for this tour, it was still in, like, we weren't, we didn't know what From First to Last was going to be, 
you know, we we, uh-huh. we had it in our minds that it wasn't going to yeah. be as big as possible. We had no numbers to prove it. Right. We did get those. I think it was uh, I think it was nine thousand first week with what the self titled album did. Um, nine compared to heroin first yeah. week eight, and maybe even eight. Yeah, it was Holy eight to nine shit. compared to yeah. <laughs> sharp mind blowing on the podcast. Oh my god, um, on the podcast. Um, compared to heroin, the record before that, which had done uh, thirty, I want to say thirty three thousand first week somewhere god. around there. I didn't know it did under ten yeah. k. That's yeah, oh my and God. and heroin came out on Epitaph, you know. So it just, I mean, I, I remember that record came out from the last turned off comments on their MySpace, mm. or they hid them somehow, just because the vitriol was so real. You know, people just, it was just complete rejection, and it was so sad to see. And this warped. This was kind of like their last good run as a band. From it was kind of just all downhill from here on out for them. They had a lot of fun on this tour. They did a whole really cool FFTL TV thing on YouTube that's still there, and you should go watch it because the band's fucking hilarious. So they documented the whole tour, um, but uh, they actually they put they like spray painted a mustache on Katy Perry's bus, and um, Katy Perry put a dead fish in Matt Good's pillow, and there, there was a whole bunch of yeah, it was it was fun pranks. But um, okay, let's move through some of these quickly so we can get to the next stage. Um, Motion City soundtrack. Hard to forget. I mean, easy to forget how fucking big they were at this point. You know, commit this, commit this to memory was huge. The next album sold relatively well. I think it did over thirty thousand copies first week. The one on Epitaph, and then um, right after this, they're gonna do My Dinosaur Life for Columbia Records, their major label debut, mm-hmm. and that's gonna do pretty well. And I think that I can't remember for the life of me what their two thousand seven or two thousand eight album was called, but their song "Fell in Love Without You." banger and it's on the 2008 warp tour compilation that was my introduction to motion city soundtrack shows my age a little bit yeah you know i think that record was kind of a letdown for a lot of people it was coming off commit this to memory but like they kind of bounced back with my dinosaur life i love it so i love the aesthetic of that album i thought the album artwork was perfect especially for the neon wave that was happening like they just kind of fit in there but their fan base didn't want them there (laughs) yeah and the major label didn't like it Mm because they were dropped after that but okay norma jean Full tour. The Norma boys, Jean, man. The bros Norma doing Jean. The, yeah, man. The guys. I mean, so I saw them, man. Did you? Um, and, oh, uh, I didn't know yeah. you saw them this year. And yeah, man. And uh, I took my buddy who like wasn't really familiar with uh, this kind of music. And, um, you know, we're sitting there. They, we're, we're sitting main stage and they're just like pumping it up. You know what I mean? The bass is throttling and they're really they're getting ready and some shit's coming over the speaker. And um, they got their banners up and it's like. I don't know what I just remember. It was like a dead pig with like bees in it, like <laughs> well, eating yeah, it. Just disgusting. It's the cover vitriol. of the Anti Mother. That's, yeah, that's the album so, cycle and, that they and, were and, on. And my buddy yeah. grabs me, you know, as this mosh pit starting. He's like, Matt, Matt, I just got one question for you, dude. He points to their that their album cover. He's like, What the fuck is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't know, man. And they, they just they just kicked it off, and it was crazy. Um, I remember people going nuts when they played that song, uh, a grand scene for a color film. Oh, that that breakdown. Uh, just what are you trying to say? Just what are you trying to say? Like people went nuts. But dude, um, shouts uh, forever shouts to Norma. Shouts to Norma. Norma, man, the boys. Quick little sidebar. Corey is also on the Warp Tour cover of Alternative Press for that summer. Right. Oh, yeah. That oh, yes. band, um, Oh God, The Aftermath, is just a wall of fucking sound, and Code Orange tries to rip that album off, and they do a horrible job at it, so go listen to it. It did 22,000 first week in 2004. Yeah. Like, Norma were holy cooking. shit, man. A band that heavy could be that big, and they proved it. And they were, they were old at this point. They'd been on a wall. 
they had been around for a this while. This was the downslope. You know, the anti mother was the beginning of the downslope because it was such a disappointment yeah. to the hardcore fans coming off Redeemer. Yeah. But, uh, dude, real quick before mm-hmm. we move on here, we skipped over gym class. You can't skip over gym class here, man. Okay. It was okay. such okay. I an mean, important I, I band saw gym for class this summer. How was yeah, it? I, I need the details, class. man. Um, you know, it was okay. Like, it was just okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, Girlfriend went off huge, you know. Um, the crowd, you know, was relatively meek. Um, really? Uh, they weren't, yeah, they weren't. I, you know, it's weird, because Girlfriend was a huge fucking single. I mean, you know, Top what, 40 Radio, you know. What song are you talking about but, for that one? Is that the Patrick uh, Stump feature? Oh, yeah, I'm get, I might be getting the name wrong. Take yeah. a look at my girlfriend. I think right. I got. Um, yeah. Cupid's like, Chokehold. Cupid's Chokehold. That's, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Huge single, rated single. But I don't know why gym class just, like, weren't connecting... You know, I know a lot of people in the scene repped for gym class, but like at Warped, like their crowd just, it just wasn't, maybe it was just my area. I don't mm. know. The crowd just wasn't like that much. They brought out um, the singer of We the Kings to do a what? song with them, which Why? I know everyone's like, everyone was like, who the fuck's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. No, so, I, you know, I remember, I remember Travi at one point, like going like, hey, yo. Like, how many of y'all know us is more than just the band with the girlfriend song? And like a couple people put their hands up. You know? Oh no! Yeah, no. And Cookie Jar hasn't happened. Oh well, yeah. And, Have they even released the quilt? Really at this point? selling. They weren't really selling that many records. It was just they were having big single success with uh with yeah. Cupid's Show. It's so great. I mean, I mean they were really... full tour main stage. Yeah. I mean, I love this band. You know what I mean? Same. Love that band. Same. Yeah, that's crazy. But, to um, and so I guess Rise Against did some dates, which is just interesting to me just to point out because, you know, at this point, they, they were fucking huge. Isn't I mean, this Rise the Against, biggest you know, this band has ever been. Si- oh, yeah. Because I mean, well, so Siren Songs, obviously, massive success, Swing Life Away, right. Life Less Frightening. And they put out the stuff from The Witness, which everyone fucking loves. You know, it's a perfect follow up. Um, it does like sixty thousand copies. The good first left week undone. Or something like shouts. That. Yeah, the good, shouts. Oh, amazing oh, song. Oh god. But so at this point, yeah, they're getting ready to put out Appeal to Reason, which you know, I actually mm. don't like that album. That was kind of like I think I thought they would fans on it because it was more of like a rock album. They were kind of getting away from their traditional punkier roots mm-hmm. with songs like like Reeducation, but that album did fucking well and all those it singles did so well that, unreal that, that dude the next record endgame came out and sold eighty thousand copies first right, week you right you know I mean? yo so they had three gold records in a row siren siren song suffer and appeal to reason three gold records in a band row. was just, just worth firing on all cylinders yeah, so it's in interesting that they stopped by for warped okay the next main stage was the highway one stage we got the against me all that remains Angels and Airwaves, Cobra Starship, <laughs> Every Time I Die, Fear, GBH, Jack's Mannequin, Reliant K, Say Anything, Story of the Year, and Street Dogs. Um, against me, is this where they en- is this where they're entering their like major label like sellout phase that all their fans got? I don't give a fuck about this band, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember there was there was a controversy, right? Like they were the punk band. Something... And they had signed to a major label at some point. What and... was that album called? It was called like New Wave or something. New Wave, New Wave, yeah, New Is Wave. That what it's pissed called? a lot of people off. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not worth remembering. It's I know it's not worth going into deep conversation about. But uh, they, you know, they they did a thing and they were there. So you got to give them shouts for that. All that remains, man. All that remains. 
Talk to me about so, All That Remains, Matt Crane. Interesting, because this is commercial peak All That Remains, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... Two weeks, baby. The fall, fall of Ideals. Ideals? Was it Fall of Ideas? Ideals. I, or Ideals. Ideals. That was a great fucking record. It was huge for them. I mean, it got it made them who they were, you know? Mm-hmm. It set up their family. And then, at this point, Overcome has come has come out, right? That yep. record, you know, with... Two is weeks. It, is it Chiron? How do you pronounce the lead single? Oh, Sharon, Chiron, I can never yeah. do it. This CH. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, two weeks, two popped off. Like they were having radio success. The record had a huge debut. So it's interesting that you know this metal band played Warp Tour, but um, they were there. Um, Angels and Airwaves, full tour. Full. Tom DeLonge was on the full 2008 Warp Tour, baby. Tom DeLonge on the full Warp Tour, and you know what's crazy? My whole time. At Warp that day, didn't even know they were there. Like, did, did, nobody you had talked no about idea. It. You had no idea, dude. Because it's weird. You got to think about it. Like, we're coming off I Empire, and like they were over. It was done, dude. Was it over? Like, it you, was, you, oh, you, dude. You, you know that first record came out with I know. with the adventure. And there I was know. Coming off Blink, the split. You know, plus forty four. Mark doing his thing. The hype angels and airwaves was so fucking real man and like mm-hmm. they dropped the adventure and it's everyone's favorite song and that first record what did it do like didn't it do like 120 a... first week 120 000 it was up there man yeah i know it did maybe over 100 000. yeah it was cl- close to maybe like 160 God, i think it went so gold, fucking insane and um yeah it was huge and um that band was over in like two years like i empire didn't do shit for them it still did didn't it do like 70 or something didn't it do didn't I, it do up there it's so crazy no man i don't know if this, it's that high i'm pretty sure like it, it might was been like 40 i think we're gonna need to look this up real quick so i empire was my introduction to angels and airwaves and it was only because i was seeing the uh music video for everything's magic every single day on fuse yeah. and i was like what is this i'll still stand yeah, by they it 100 some, they did have some success with that 100 yeah, no, i'm not, I'm not this indicting is... the album just the the phenomenon okay was, seemed it was just over the it air was 60... sucked out of this band so the adventure did 127,000 first week in 2006 and okay. i am pirated 66,000 in 2007 okay. yeah. uh i mean you can see a clear i mean having a sales drop in this time period like that is just People just lost interest. I don't know why. You know, it, it still maybe it, like it was. They push singles. They made music videos. Uh, Secret yeah. Crowds is my favorite Tom DeLonge song of all time, and I stand it just, by uh, it that I Empire is the best thing that Tom has ever done. Yeah, um, and it may very well be, <laughs> but uh, it's just like nobody cared. Like, oh, it's I, so I don't know crazy. why. Like, I nobody, cared. You, Eighth grade Tyler You'd think cared. they would have been a huge draw, and they really weren't. Like, they just, they yeah. were just kind of there. No one remembers them um, on this tour, that's for sure. And, and this was such a scene-centric tour True. that, like, they not, maybe Angels and Airways Space Rock wasn't wasn't the best fit True. for uh, Warped Tour 2008. Okay, uh, Cobra Starship. Not much to talk about here. 
because uh, because uh, Good Girls Go Bad hasn't come out yet. They right? haven't dropped so Hot nothing... Mess. They haven't dropped Hot Mess. But yeah, Hot Mess hasn't come out. The but... banger, the banger, Guilty Pleasure is burning on Warp Tour this summer, and it's fantastic. Kiss my sass. Kiss my it's also, sass. It's also burning. Uh, Snakes on a plane. But you know they're in this weird position as a band where like they're famous, they're celebrities, but they weren't selling records. For right. Jack shit. Yeah. Like not they, at all. Snakes on a plane and all that. It's just like they just they weren't like people weren't really getting into their music that much i don't know why but they were they were they were popping in a fame sort of way you know they were riding that fame wave just being associated with you know yeah, feel my were, ramen and all that right they were in the fbr yeah. incubator at this point yeah they're not about to hit their stride with their big single with uh late meester and all that um every time i die this is peak every time I die, right? The OGs, like, man. Dude, Southern Metalcore. I metal think they core. did 14,000 first week off this. Which record was this? Um, is this Gutter? No, Gutter was before this. No. Uh, this frick, uh, dude. Oh, my God. I can't believe I can't remember this. I've never been the biggest ETID fan. Don't at me on Twitter. Don't, don't yeah, at but me. The record did well. They got an alternative press cover. Which, you they know, for a band, like, every time I die to get their own alternative press cover, you know what I mean? Normally on the cover of AP, you want a really big scene band just to put a bunch of grimy looking Southern metalcore dudes on the cover. You know, that was a risk for the magazine to take. And uh, that's just how big they were. 14,000 for, for a band that sounds the way they do. That was huge for that record. And, um, you know, this is kind of where, like, they earned their spot as, like, Warped Horror Mainstays. Solid. Solid band. Always. Uh, Gotta give it shouts. Jack's Mannequin. Very interesting because <laughs> it's easy to forget, like, how fucking big this band was. Because, mm-hmm. you know, something corporate was so huge. But, okay, so coming off everything in transit, the band are at this point, And it's been a few years. Um, everything in transit, you know, did like twenty five thousand first week. I think it was on Maverick major label, and um, it did really well. Like I, I think it's if it hasn't gone gold yet, it's one of those records that's probably pretty close. It's probably sold around four hundred thousand copies. But the Glass Passenger is about to come out, and that's what's telling about Jack's Mannequin at this point on Warped Tour because when that record comes out, it does fifty thousand first week. It was absolutely everywhere. That was my introduction to Jack and Andrew as a whole. I was not there for something corporate, but I remember I had a buddy who was super into piano rock, and one day he came to school and he had a physical copy of The Glass Passenger, and he's like, this album will change your life. And he forced me to listen to it over and over. I mean, Dark Blue, The Real, or what was that song called? I'm Not Looking for Forgiveness. Such a sad album, too. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. not an easy listen, but um, so so you know to put it in perspective, like Paramore just sold fifty six thousand copies. Mm-hmm. Jack's Mannequin sold fifty thousand hard, you know, like solid just album copies right. off this record, off this upcoming record they would release after World Tour. That's how big they were at this point. It's just easy to forget, you know. It's they're one of those bands I feel like they just kind of get lost to history. It's crazy. Andrew's just been everywhere, man. <laughs> you gotta yeah. give and it. And it's to it's him. so it's so cool to see, you know, Andrew having his solo success now. Absolutely. Getting all those radio singles like Cecilia and the Satellite. Yeah. Thing popping off. Such a good dude. And you know something corporate. I will ride and die for life. Always. Know? Always. My face all time. 
Constantine is probably my favorite song of all time. <laughs> Not ashamed to admit. Oh, you can have that, man. Um, let's see. Reliant K, are they still riding that uh, Be My Escape hype at this point? Or has has that goodwill worn off? No, that's still definitely there. Because they got like there. a gold record off it. It's oh, still it's definitely a- there. It's still definitely there. <laughs> that record there. went gold, right? Maybe even platinum. Yeah, I, I know for a fact it's gold. I don't know about platinum. Yeah, but, uh, it's easily gold. No, that record still a classic. Uh, they're yeah. I don't think they have released um, their follow up to this, and I cannot for the life of me remember what it what that what that album was called. But it was right when people started to be like, ah, all right, Reliant K, yeah, not so much anymore. Yeah. And then I they mean, released yeah, like know, a cred it's... indie record after that called Forget and Not yeah. Slow Down, and then it was way over. But uh, commercially, though, at this point, the band are they're on the downslope, right? Like, yeah, but they were just peak. coming off their peak. Yeah. The, when was that peak? When did Be My Escape really like burn at radio? 2005 to 2006. Okay. Yeah. So they're kind of, yeah. Their second, they're getting their second wind here, but it's it's not really gonna lead them anywhere big. No, not at all. Unfortunately, um, say anything at this point are beginning the uh, fifteen year process of slowly dismantling their career. <laughs> never ever living up to the hype of uh, is a real boy. God. Never ever truly pleasing their fans again. Which is so funny because in defense of the genre has my favorite say anything song on it. I will oh, yeah, there's always people there's always people like you out there that are like, Oh, I like you know, self titled or I like, you know, in defense or but um Dude, girlfriend yeah, you, that song is the ultimate say anything post hardcore banger. It's fantastic. You know, yeah. I mean, is a real boy is the only say anything album that that that, that has breached into that classic prestige mm. category of scene albums. Definitely. And uh, they just never did it again. And it seems like record by record, they just they just got worse and worse and worse and worse, especially culminating with the last record. The, uh, oh my god! Surprise! Yeah, they they've just been like I said. It's just just the slow disarmament of the say anything war machine. Just let's with every record we lose they lose a piece of themselves. Yeah, it's been sad to watch over the last 10 years. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> this band to just continually fall from grace. You think they're done, and then they just keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually signed a new deal with like some fucking label that doesn't matter. Shut um, up. They did not sign yeah, a new deal. Yeah, they did sign a new deal. Yeah, I, I think Brooklyn Vegan, Vegan had the exclusive. Yo, oh, so, my uh, God. If you want to go check that out, bb.com. Yo. <laughs> Yeah, good luck in the uh, hipster field, Max. It's right. weird. Like, say anything. Have gotten that weird acceptance into the hipster realm. I don't into the hipster Ooh. realm. I don't know if it's because they were the weirder emo band, but you know, like all those sites indie... like noisy. And, and, yeah, yeah, all the all the current indie pitchfork kids who are in their twenties now grew up listening to that album, and that was the one thing they took with them from their they... scene kid phase that they don't like to admit happened. <laughs> And all of the, all this of all the scene classics, that's the one that is like I don't know, it's just like the weirdo album. You know, Max Maximus is a fucking weirdo, so it's like weird and quirky. The songs are just so I guess ridiculous, you know, they, man. Yeah, definitely. He's a uh, <laughs> my guy got ahead of some of you know all the band dudes getting these ac- accusations against oh, them. Then he dropped. My God. I can get sexual two song from the set list. 
Yeah, Which is like your like, second best fucking song, dude. Like, come on, man. We're not playing this anymore. I'm sorry if I I'm ever made anyone feel uncomfortable yeah. over the years or anything like that. He sent out like a shit ton of tweets. I was like, oh my god, here we go. This is the end. Things that Max Bemis got away with saying, you know, sexually and songs and stuff, you know, like, just cool. it's, it's just... Uh, how did, and how are the indie kids who are very socially aware take that mm-hmm. album? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. But, um, yeah, I always, I always wanted to write the article when I was at AP, like, you know, things that Max Bemis can get away with saying that you can't, you know, oh, and just have oof. all these weird quotes that he said in his songs. The heat, the um, heat. Yeah, I can feel it, man. That that's that's uh all right. Let's move on to the next stage. Uh, we're we're down from the main stages and we're at the Hurley stage. So this is like the the black half circle amphitheater that I think we've now come to know more recently as the monster stage. Mm. Um, this is what the Hurley stage was back then. We got all time low, the Briggs, Broadway calls, the color Fred, the Devil Wears Prada. Dr. Manhattan, Family Force 5, Greeley Estates, Jeffree Star, Just Surrender, The Lords, Mayday Parade, Pierce the Veil, The Pink Spiders, and We the Kings. The neon seal has been broken. The Um, neon seal. I don't know, man. Let it be known. The the Hurley stage busted in here with the invasion. All-time low, popping in. And, you know, we don't even have nothing personal at this point, do we? No, and and all-time low aren't even playing the full tour. (laughs) It's just uh, so wrong it's right, you know? But at this point, um, all-time low were fucking... They were hot shit it was man. Just like the, everyone i knew was getting into them it was crazy the the graph of that band's growth was just skyrocketing upwards at this point it was so ridiculous do you remember the nothing personal hype man i it, it, oh yeah it it felt, that, that record it it was it, it felt, came out and did uh sixty thousand copies first week on hopeless records you know what i mean it was like it felt um, like massive. that album was supposed to change the world. Like that—that's how much right. hype All Time I mean, Low had. I remember point. hearing the band like talk about you know when they got their first week numbers for that record. No one thought it was going to do sixty thousand copies. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Nobody saw that coming. But they were—that's—that's th- that's where they were at this point. At Warp, they were—they were that big. You know what I mean? Dear Maria was probably the most watched YouTube video in the scene Absolutely, at this point. Absolutely, you know? it was dude. just. It was crazy. The hype was real. And it was, I'm pretty um, sure it's the, the color- first song on the second disc of that Warp Tour compilation of 2008. And that was the first time I heard it. And I, I, like, I knew, I was like, oh my God, this band is fantastic. <laughs> it's just Remember instant. when Warp Tour comps were fun? Dude, I, I, I bought from 2008, I think, up to 2014. Just those years. And I discovered so much music from spending that, what, five to six dollars every summer. Like, I genuinely looked mm-hmm. forward to buying a Warp Tour compilation for summer the color fred interesting fred who <laughs> replaced john nolan in taking back sunday and got really famous and then left taking back sunday and started the color fred and the color fred had hype like i swear to god there were, i had friends who were like yo dude the color fred's bigger than taking back sunday now like there was a moment where it was like technically taking back sunday were bigger still but like the color fred it was like the cooler thing to like at that think, moment in time, I, I think you know we I mean? need to do the Fred cast. TBS, man. yeah, TBS were off like they were doing, you know, like Liar at this point, right? And um, what's that album called? The one after what's their the last album? good one. <laughs> um, after Louder Now, the one after Louder Now. Yeah, they're 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 at that point where they're 
at their peak commercially. So people were, were like really into the color Fred is what I remember. And um, it, it went fucking nowhere. Like, right? Like <sighs> two years, maybe. Oh, dude, it wasn't even. It was like this summer. That was the color Fred. <laughs> like summer of 08. That was the color Fred. But uh, get like, out. Get uh, out. That song holds up. Go listen to that song. Is that dude still making music? Dude, I don't know, man. I, I, no I loved him in this band. I thought I'm, I thought he was great. Like, live, I, I, I thought think he this killed it, album's you know? decent. And Pig Mac Sunday, I thought he was he was fucking phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, he's still. I remember like last summer he was updating the Color Fred Facebook page. So I don't know where that went or if there were like quote unquote reunion shows for the Color Fred. But maybe that happened. <laughs> What's going on with Prada at this time, dude? What isn't going on with Prada so, at this time, man? I mean, this is the buzz. This is like the buzzing up, right? So we're I mean, in we're 2008. Not... I can't remember when Rise dropped the reissue of Plagues, but I'm pretty sure yeah. it was. It, I'm pretty sure that DVD, if I'm remembering right, had footage of this tour. And the sets okay. are just fucking insane, dude. It is unreal how much hype this band had in the late 2000s yeah. and they completely delivered on with roots above and they just skyrocketed mm-hmm. after that and did 32,000 mm-hmm. first week with dead throne just yeah, dead, it all kind of culminates man. at dead throne um is that 2011 or uh, 2012 no i think it was 2011 yeah okay 2011 and yeah 30 over 3,000 copies for a, a you know a screamo metalcore band it sounds like that it's it was crazy they were huge um you want to talk about Family Force 5 real quick? We have to, man. How could we not talk about Family Force 5 at this point? They're just releasing Dance or Die, which was unfortunately a big letdown to uh, anyone who had found the band before that off of Business Upfront Party in the Back. But these guys had it going on this summer. They had Soul Glow still fronting the band. There's a video on YouTube that my buddy and I watch every time we get we get together and catch up of him filling in for Dallas during a Malian and Sons of Disaster set, and it is the funniest thing you'll ever see. But always ride um, for OG family. Greeley Estates um, coming off. Uh, is it is it Blue Morning? Right, that's the album. Right, that's is that the, the uh, one that came out in 08? Yeah, with uh, I thought it was I'm Go not West. A monster. I thought it was Go, Go West. West. Yeah, Blue Morning was the single, the I'm Not a Monster single. Yeah, and Go West was the album title. It came out. Uh, I want to say Tragic Hero, and um, or was it Science? Were they still on Science? So Go West, you, you're confusing the two albums. I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, I am. Go okay. West and No Rain, No Rain. No, No Rain, No Rainbow. That was like 2010. Go West was like 08. And yes, that Go West was 08. And that was had... the video with the paint shit and, yep. and all that. Yeah, yeah, and they were still and, on um, science. They yeah. were still on science. Yeah, and and that record was was weird as fuck. You know, I think uh, it was it was a big deal at the time, but it, it wasn't post hardcore. You know, really, were very post hardcore screamable for that, and that record was very weird and experimental. And um, I think that kind of led to really why they kind of like lost fans and kind of became a much smaller band in the following cycles. Yeah, a weird, a weird. Uh, you know, there was a time where uh, bands used to go heavier, and it was a bad move. Yeah. <laughs> now it's yeah, like <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Now it's just it was just, it was heavy, but it was just you know they were getting experimental. Yeah, and it's a very it progressive different. record. Jeffrey Starr played this warp tour, and I remember him getting tons of shit, man. Mm-hmm. But um, how's the time? Mayday played. 
Um, let's just say at Mayday on this stage, uh, they were the, like the biggest fucking band at this time. Right they? underneath All Time Low, man. Lesson in Romantic Mayday, type man. Was I, the May- realest thing. There was a point where Mayday might have been bigger than All Time Low too. You know, like there was a point yeah, right maybe before gates. All Time Low quite bubbled. It was just like Mayday were fucking everywhere, man. So Pierce played. Pierce the Veil played. We don't even have Selfish Machines yet, right? This is just Flair no, for the Dramatic No, this is all Pierce. off Flair. Yep, Currents Convulse, baby man. Pierce. Yeah, boy, yeah. Dollface. All the OG bangers. Um, we the Kings played. They, I, I want to say We the Kings, of all the bands on the tour, had the probably the biggest single. Um, check Yes, Juliet, of all the bands on this tour. I think you know, that we're going to talk about a band on the next single. stage who I don't think that single had burned yet. 303s no, Don't Trust came Me. Out. Yeah, okay. I know where right. you're going, but yeah, it didn't. It didn't uh, the album hadn't dropped yet. I don't think the single had came out at this point in time. Yeah, um, check I yes. think "Check Yes, Juliet" is the biggest single to come out of Warped Tour. Makes sense. Did you see that? But, uh, I did. And you I'm, did. I'm, uh, I'm a little ashamed to admit it. <laughs> How yeah. was the crowd, um, man? Was it big? <laughs> it was fucking huge. Oh my god. What that time. band, man. They just they just pull they just pull it out, man. Somehow they're just always um, there, man. They're okay. still there. Yeah. So next we have not the Hurley stage, but the Hurley.com stage. I love <laughs> that, that this was a thing. I love yeah Hurley and Hurley.com stage. Yep. Three hundred three. Um, Evergreen Terrace. Katy Perry. Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. And Shwayze. I'm just gonna kind of go through some of the more important ones at this point for time's sake. Um, 303 kind of just like define neon in a weird way, you know. Even though they weren't a neon pop punk band, they in were history sense. Ne- it's really weird. The yeah. neon rap band, you know what I mean? Yeah. They the aesthetically, like they just were aesthetically, they were everything neon was about. Yeah, it's really weird because looking back, everyone when when you mention neon yeah. to someone, they're just like. 303 <laughs> it's so yeah. it's so weird oh, yeah. because they were not a pop punk i mean band. they had the shades they had the videos and they they just they started as a scene band which is weird they uh you know want i don't think the album want had came out yet this was the and, summer um, that they came out but like they were banging okay, so like punk bitch i think was their biggest song at punk that bitch, time yeah at this point yeah punk bitch was everywhere and that was um dominating their myspace page. maybe after warped or towards the end of warp we're gonna see mm-hmm. don't trust me become the biggest song in america and then um you know they're gonna have the katie perry song starstruck which i wonder if that connection was made you know on warp tour katie and uh 303 would absolutely think so man like totally um, Kate, Katy Perry is also on this stage which um, you know I will always regret that I missed that um, <sighs> but uh, I did um, I, we didn't know man you know she had I kissed a girl her only hit at that point it was like she could have easily been a one hit wonder it was, it, was, job, it was so we're supposed to so have vision easy. she was so easy to write off dude it was it was so easy to write her off we're supposed um, to have vision on these things man you're supposed to evergreen see this terrace, evergreen terrace had a little bit of hype because i remember yeah. as like dying was was pumping them up pretty hard was giving them shouts shouts to that band man um maylene dude i could do the maylene cast front to back but they were peaking around this time and yeah, Southern, Southern Metalcore Metal was just having a moment yeah. in the late 2000s, mainly 2008, with Every every Time I Die, Mailing the Sun of Disaster, The Showdown, Once Nothing, and then you had the Fallout Boy, Every Time I Die, fucking Anthrax Supergroup, The Damned Things. It was, oh, it yeah, was a man. great What's, time. The situation... 
the situation. Si- dude, we've got a situation, situation here, man. We got a situation talk, here. Talk man. about bangers, but um, oh, anyone who hasn't bang. listened to Maylene and the Son of Disaster, go do it. You you will not regret it. Yeah, I mean, it. you might regret it. <laughs> <laughs> not for everyone, Tyler. It is not for everyone, but I I, I will if recommend. Like every them. time I die, I feel like it. You know, like sure, sure. Go if listen you, to if, them. If, if you you know if you like Under Oath. It doesn't mean you're gonna like Maylene. But. True, but try it out. You never know until you try it. <laughs> all about the music, man. It's all about the um, music, man. Shut up. Okay, let's move on. This is kind of like this is the stage we all came for. The SmartPunk.com stage. God, I, I, I wonder why they called it .com this year and, and not just the Smart the SmartPunk stage. Right? Um, why couldn't we bring this back, man? For this final year, we couldn't bring back the SmartPunk stage. SmartPunk always, you know, like they always had the coolest band. It was just like. It worked. It was such a cool fucking stage in the early Warp tours. Like, like I remember from first to last with Sunny played it, you know, and like I think Silverstein played it. And just, it was yeah, yeah. Say it was. It was just like the coolest fucking stage, and it was like a real prognosticator of what bands were going to be fucking huge. And as we go through this list, you'll see. So keep in mind at the time, this is a small stage, mm-hmm. and these are the bands that are on it. A Day to Remember, Alisana, August Burns Red, Automatic Love Letter, Bring Me the Horizon, Cinematic Sunrise, The Classic Prime, Confide, Every Avenue, Forever the Sickest Kids, Four Years Strong, The Human Abstract, Medina Lake, The Main, The Secret Handshake, Set Your Goals, Sky Eats Airplane, Stick to Your Guns, and Treaty of Paris. That's a lot to take in. So, right, right, dude. Oh, I didn't remember. We're just homesick in it, right? We're no, homesick, homesick right don't now. come out until 2009, man. Fuck, man. That's so what? So what? I mean, what? It's for, it's those, for who those who have, who have heart, heart, man. Plot Holy to Bob the Pop, shit. the Panhandle, dude. God. Danger in you know, starting just, a fire, monument. I don't even think I knew about them at this point. Like, Since I, I you've been gone, cover man. Missed it. Yeah, I remember that. That was kind of, I think, my introduction to them, probably. But yeah, man, that's wild, isn't Before it? Homesick. Yep. Yeah. Um, ABR are Constellation Z right now. Uh, yeah, point. that Does came it, out. Yeah, God, I no, I think that came out in 2009, because Messengers came out in 07. Huh. Okay, it maybe oh nine. I feel I feel oh eight though. Okay, no, you're right. August Burns Red Constellations two thousand and eight. Yeah, Mobby, so Mobby. Commercial commercial peak for the band probably right. You know they're well not they're, commercially, they're, man. They had their biggest first week for their last album, the album before I, this. I most think recent Constellations one. still out, outsold it. Oh, uh, on the cycle, yeah, for sure. Oh, and and they were huge on this warp tour. But they in had legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were yeah. drawn. This like, was, like, was like, this was the beginning last, of August Burns Red. Because they were buddies with, uh, yeah, the true beginning of them having cred. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because in the early days, people were kind of like, oh, they're just a metalcore band with breakdowns. Right. But, you know, this is like when they got the respect. And Because I, I remember like from first to last, we're playing the main stage. but And they were really good friends with ABR. ABR were playing this stage and drawing like way bigger crowds than from first to last oh at this point. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. So Automatic Love Letter, that's fucking Juliet Sims band, right? Um, is this is this going to see a, a cash grab reunion anytime soon? Is this going to be a thing? 
did anybody ever actually care, or were we just told it matter? <laughs> Dude, Skell, Skell Animals, man. That, they had a sponsorship with Skell Animals. And, uh, did this Julia band ever make a good song, Tyler Sharp? No. Julia Sims is a bad singer, and Agreed. this band brought her into our scene. And uh, 100%. for that reason, we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, man. Uh, suicide season, but was it's not fucking insane. out yet. It doesn't come out until September. We're still living in a pre-suicide sure? season world on this warp tour. That's blowing my mind right now, man. I wonder if they the, Chelsea Smile must have at least been out. They must have dropped that as the lead single before Would, the tour. Are you sure? As a, as a Lucy before? Yeah, I, I no, it, as just the lead. Like I remember, I that remember much of a lead up? Being, I remember it being out as a lead for a long time, and it would have made sense to have a yeah, single before. Yeah, so the album tour. came out they September out They couldn't just go out with that Pray for Plague shit on the whole Warped Tour. Yeah, so the yeah Suicide Season came out on September 29th, two thousand eight. But they played the dates that they played. You know, they only played uh, July twenty third to August seventeenth. Yeah, but, so uh, I, I'm pretty sure because I, I remember it was a MySpace exclusive. Oh, I wow. think just a smile at that. So that was probably popping back. off those stages. Okay. Cinematic Sunrise, Craig Owens' little side project that I never cared about. Still love this uh, Cinematic Sunrise EP more than any Chiodos album. I will say that. It's great. Fantastic um, emo songs. Confide built up some hype here, and, and, and they had a lot of hype. You know, they with bands like The Word Alive and The Skylight Drive kind of coming up in that camp of bands, like going into that recovery album. Like it just felt like it was about to be fucking huge and they were gonna pop off, but the album just stiffed and they never went anywhere. Such they, a they made a lot of mistakes that band did. Especially yeah. with their drummer yeah. slash king vocalist Joel Piper saying that they were gonna be the next Old under oath after Yeah, uh, yeah. Aaron left. Careful. Just yeah, you you gotta you're walking a walking on eggshells there, my man. And then the band just fell apart. But uh, still ride for some old confide songs. We skipped over classic yeah, crime. That's a tooth and nail youth group band for me. I was listening to that while you were listening to Dying Is Your Latest Fashion. Both produced by the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> still gonna ride um, for Albatross though. Were Escape to Fate not on this Warp tour? Dude, I they guess... were not, weren't they? Nah, no, man. they weren't. Were they I would have fucking saw them in the studio with Feldman at that time. Is that what they were working uh, on? No, I think the record was out by now. The record was out by. They now. must have been on a crazy headlining tour or something. Where were they? Where was Escape the Fate at this point? Yeah, Where... you're, I think they were doing their own headliner. Um, Every Avenue, you got some neon light coming in. They yeah. were kind of just like you know one of those tech support neon bands. Yeah, they had some good songs. Uh. Chasing the Night, that was a good song off that first album. But they they followed the trend of most neon bands where they released one neon album as their debut and then progressively Mm -hmm. got more like either country or like alt rock or piano rock or they just all drifted away from neon because it was such a small era. Direct support core. You know, they were just kind of always there, you know, on the bill. They were never like anyone's favorite. You know yeah. what I mean? They were never, but they were just part of the neon wave. Yo, um, Forever to... the Sickest Kids. Yeah, dude, man. This was the beginning. The only Forever the Sickest I mean, Kids album that ever here, mattered. Here, here's the neon trash. Here's the uh, here's the neon puke for you right here. You're on Universal Motown, baby. It's time for that major this label. This is the major label in. plant. These Yo. are the major label plant. They're like, oh, we see this going on. Let's fucking make a fake band and have them put out shitty music and try to pass it off. Dude. 
that underdog alma yeah. mater still stands up. It's oh, the only one I that just, does, but definitely. This band was always pure trash to me. You know, they were huge, too, at this point. Like, multiple alternative press covers. You couldn't, I mean, you couldn't look away. These guys were everywhere. You couldn't avoid their faces. They were, mm-hmm. they were you know, right there with all-time low, if, if not bigger yeah. at one point. Yeah, they Me were, versus they were... everyone was on Fuse every single day. Yeah. I remember coming home from ultimate, school and watching it. Ultimate neon, I mean peak neon trash, just ultimate. Like this, that band signified for me like why I wanted out of the scene. Just <laughs> but yo, shouts to all the neon bands that hooked up that deal with Nerf and got in all those Nerf gun commercials, <laughs> dude. Every <laughs> avenue was in there. I, Forever the Sickest Kids were in one. There for Tomorrow was in one. There's there's a bunch of bands that made it into Nerf Gun commercials. It was so crazy. I'd turn on Cartoon Network and see that shit. It was it was bizarre. And I think Ann Arbor had like a Ben 10 music mm-hmm. video or something for their movie yeah. that came out. God, what a time, man. Uh, okay, so Four Years Strong and Set Your Goals are on this stage. Is this like the spark, the easy core uh, kindling right here? The beginning, right? Four beginning, Years Strong man. I mean, four... out on Rise or Die. That came out in 07. Yeah. Say Your Goals is going to be a much bigger band than Four Years Strong. Did they ever really get that big, though? Like, they never really sold any records or played that big of shows. They were supposed to be a a massive band. They were a big name, and everybody was talking about them, and they had great people and labels pushing them, but, like, it just... It seems like a little bit of hot air to me, like looking back with hindsight. God, dude, in 09, when uh, This Will Be the Death of Us dropped and that Haley William feature dropped, it felt like yeah. this band was happening because you got to remember on 08, they were still just riding off Mutiny. And uh, yeah. I mean, that album gave them some hype, but This Will Be the Death of Us just, really put that band out there. And it then it just didn't go anywhere. Like, if you stack them next to Four Years Strong, Four Years Strong at least went somewhere. You know, I mean, Four Year Strong kind of went into the same wall, though. It's just kind of Four Year Strong made it they last made, a little longer. They might. They got a major label deal. Is, they got radio play. They're still around today. They have a legacy of some sort. You know. What Four Year Strong ain't got no legacy, man. Oh yeah, dude. People love Four Year Strong. They still people, have their people love set your base. goals too. Yeah. I mean, they, I it, what's funny to compare those two bands side by side is that they both released like two good albums that their core fan base loved and then they released two rock albums that just alienated everything yeah. and ruined it all <laughs> but only one of them made my, a comeback yeah. my 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 theory here is set your goals looking back was a lot of hot air I, I just i don't think they were as big of a band as we remember them being didn't pete once want to um, make them a big band wasn't that a thing Pete Wentz wanted to make the format a big band. Pete Wentz wanted to make every band a big band <laughs> at this point. Like Pete Wentz, you, he's enough. still doing it. You know, Fair he's enough. doing it with nothing nowhere. True, right? You know, True. I mean, he's Pete. No, Pete. Pete fucking signed Four Years Strong. He did. Yeah, Four Years Strong signed to Decadence. No, Pete's label, straight up for that butt rock album that they release. Yeah. How so did I not know Pete, that? Maybe he wanted to set your goals, but he got Four Years Strong. Yeah, Ooh. Pete signed Four Years Strong. I remember him like he really believed in them too. Oh like, he, man, he pushed them. Are you digging up some conspiracy theories right here, Matt? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I remember Pete just pushing the hell out of Four Years Strong, like. He thought, you know, he can make them work with wow, the yeah. fuel by ramen. How did I just completely system? miss that? Because they release yeah. Explains It All and Enemy of the World on Decadence too. That's crazy. Yep. Shouts yep. to Pete. He knows. He tried. He tried. He tried to make them happen. He but tried. the band just, you know, fell in their fucking face. Mm-hmm. Um, the main, you know, again. The neon The main un- sort of unfairly get grouped into neon, but they just are. 
Can't the stop, won't stop, man. You're neon. You're neon you forever. Can't, you can't say unfair because they still yeah. have those first two EPs that they released. And yeah, and the haircuts didn't help. The haircuts, you know, the it, whole packaging it, of Can't yeah, Stop, well, Won't Stop. The whole book, yeah, the pretty I, boy thing with John. It was just the main. Yeah, were, it was funny because I remember it was like Mayday were the biggest, and then the main were the biggest. Like the main kind of jumped over Mayday at one point. It was like, what's going on? Confused Mr. Krabs meme. Like the main, <laughs> everybody like had their MySpace profiles, and they all said, you know, Mayday Parade on their name and then what it was like overnight it switched to the main to the main everyone just looked, just had they, their name then the main they can't stop like, won't stop hype was so on? real and then they got the yeah. major label man they got the major label yeah. from black and white and it did what like twenty two thousand first week or something like that yeah yeah enough but, for the major label it didn't do enough though because um, <laughs> they dropped them they, yeah yeah they got dropped um secret handshake just Lewis, so random man. on this Dubik, my guy oh my god that song uh summer TGIF? summer of 98 oh summer of 90f okay you're throwing it back before yeah. i am i just remember that song on all the time like at hot topic and hollister mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. like how'd that happen i was it on in both stores Dude, <laughs> the that... prep store and the and the goth store myspace bedroom pop man he kind of started it MySpace you know that that owl city he would lewis kind of yeah. started that man yeah. And uh, started that Owl City took it to, to to platinum, you know, radio success. I mean, I guess all you had to do was write a song about fireflies hugging you. But like, I, I remember the I Wish cover. You remember the secret handshake? Yeah. I wish I wish cover on Punk Goes Crunk. That was a thing, man. Mm-hmm. And and he started a metalcore band, too. Nobody knows about that because it was after his, the secret handshake hype. It's called Of Legends. I think they toured with Norma Jean at one point. Let's see what else here. Um, the Human Abstract played. You know, they had like a little... It's, it's such a devoted fan base. Like, small, but so devoted. Like their, their fans have just always been there. They just like... Something about that band is so addicting to a certain type of person. I just mean, that techie kind of, you know, froggy metalcore, man. But, yeah, froggy. It's like there people ride for them. Um, Sky Eats Six Airplane. Six Guns. We got to talk Wait, about we'll, Sky we'll, Eats Airplane. All right. All right. We will. Six Year Guns. Real okay. Quick. Did they all matter right. at all at this point? Because I didn't give a shit. <laughs> this was the beginning of Stick this to Your Guns. Beginning. It was the it's very, beginning. very beginning, man. I've seen some old uh, hoodies from this album. There's a breakdown on uh-huh. this album. I never got into it or anything, but there's a ridiculous breakdown on this album that's so hilarious. I can't remember what song it is. I'm not brushed up on my Stick to Your Guns uh, history enough yeah. to, to know it, but... I mean, th- this was the beginning for Stick to Your Guns, for sure. Okay, so Sky Eats Airplane, also on the SmartPunk.com stage. Fucking, this record was sick, man. And this band was so sick. And Jerry was killing it at this point, man. And Sky Eats Airplane were blowing up. Self-titled, baby. Self-titled Sky Eats Airplane. You remember when the numbers video dropped? I thought dude, this that band video was though, so man. big, right? That video, though, dude. What? It's just that, that riff. That just mm-hmm. freaky out of nowhere riff comes in, and then he's it's... like, "What? He screams, you're wrong, something, right? Yeah, yeah, something crazy. It's such an ominous album. The electron, like, it was so separate from the electronic mm-hmm. core that was just starting yeah. to take off. Like, it didn't right. sound like Attack Attack. And... It didn't sound like it, but they were like riding with those bands. Like, it, think... those bands were opening for them at this point. Right, like, but I think the the association was purely aesthetic because yeah, I mean, Sky totally. Airplane was a very scene band. 
man. They had seen. They were very seen. No. Jerry always had his shirt off with his tattoos. You know what I mean? He, he was like your typical hair. Craig Owens knockoff. Craig Owens knockoff front man kind of. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. No joke. Like um, the one of my first shirts, band T-shirts I ever bought from Hot Topic was a bright blue Sky Eats airplane T-shirt with a cloud eating an airplane. I was one of my favorite band T-shirts I ever had. I don't know why he left Sky Eats airplane. I don't. I don't think it was two joint of mice. He got kicked out or he left or whatever, but eventually right. we know the story. He, he he filled in for of mice and men, and um, I actually saw <laughs> them on the next warp tour. I Did think. you? Um, Maybe it was, yeah, I saw Jerry Roosh fronting Of Mice and Men, and it went fucking off. Like, it didn't matter that Austin was gone. Like, mm. Of Mice and Men were happening. It might have been 2010. It I don't remember 20, what year it was. The album came out in 2010, Of Mice and okay, Men, so, self-titled. Okay, so, um, yeah, it must, maybe it was 2011. I don't, I don't fucking remember. But I saw Jerry Roosh fronting them at Warpport, and it was just, the crowd was so into it. Like, when they played You Dig, it, was, mm. it, it went off. It went, mm, man. Yeah. And, um, but, um, so Sky Eats Airplane got a new, new screamer, right? And they released and a three-song to, EP. Uh, the, the Sound of Symmetry, right? Yep, yep. And didn't, didn't he go and join Dance Gavin Dance? No. No? Oh, Am no. I getting this mixed up? Yeah. Or is he the old Dance Gavin Dance guy or something? There's a Dance Gavin Dance connection here. No, there's no DGD connection to Sky Eats Airplane. There is. Maybe, like, a backing touring guitarist or something. I, I'm telling you, this screamer, the guy who replaced Jerry in Sky Eats Airplane, he did something for Dance Gavin Dance. It, got, I think I'm, he did I'm on the Wikipedia right now. It, this this dude who replaced uh, who replaced Jerry, his name's Brian Zimmerman. I would yeah. know if he was ever associated with with Dance Gavin Dance. And if you go and look at the Wikipedia associated acts with their, which are always shouts to whoever do, does these. They are always so in-depth. Uh, associated acts include Of Mice and Men, In Fear and Faith, bunch of bands we've never heard of, uh, Periphery of Legends, which is the Louis Dubik metalcore band, Kill Tracks and the maybe Motherships. It was a yeah, maybe it was a different band. Tesseract, then, uh, O Sleeper. Yeah, no way. That guy did something. Um, I think, But I think he ends up like... I don't stealing up, from the band or something. He got kicked out of no, Sky Eats Airplane. No, no. Like, You're talking about really bad. Is that the Of Machine band who no, stole no, their Kickstarter? No no, no. To- to- no, no, totally different thing. Okay. The guy who replaced um, Jerry and Sky Eats Airplane got kicked out of Sky Eats Airplane for doing something bad to the Really? Band. I yeah. never heard that story. Uh, I'm going to have to look yeah. into this. We'll, we'll update on future episodes. <laughs> it's. Uh, yeah, or not, but yeah, or it's, not. Uh, yeah. it was a it was a very bad uh, split. Huh. Um. So we have gone way over time, so we can't get into the Ernie Ball stage or the Kevin Seth stage. But some bands came out of there, like Go Radio and uh, Chelsea Grin, and um, there were probably a couple others. But that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and reminiscing with us. If you like the show, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for the show, please write us at notescene at gmail.com and we will happily answer them on the show. See you next week, everyone. Bye.